0: This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Tori Walker. Hi, welcome to another episode of The
1: Lydia Project and thank you for listening. It's great to be in your ears and to have this opportunity to Fill a bit of your time with some encouraging conversation. Now, my next guest has been described as the ninja warrior of women's ministry. And I have to admit, it's a great description because I have been the recipient of some of her stealth ninja encouragement. So you go over to her house and you might think that you're helping her chop tomatoes. But before you know it, she's encouraging you, sharing God's word with you and pointing your eyes towards Jesus and it's a lovely gift that Marion has and even though she didn't remember being described like this it's a great description of her so Marian and Keith now live and work mainly in Papua New Guinea although I managed to catch up with Marion when she was back in Brisbane. Marion, thank you so much for making time to come and chat with me for the Lydia Project I appreciate a lot Um, And I'd love to start by asking you how you came to faith in Christ.
2: Well, I grew up in a Christian family. And so I can't remember a time that I didn't know about Jesus. I was really blessed. We had family prayers, good churches to go to. Was that here in Queensland? No. I started life in Malaysia. My Mm -hmm. parents were missionaries. And then went to school and uni in Sydney. I um,
1: went to yours and Keith's farewell from AFES. Megan was speaking about your work and she described you as the ninja ministry worker of AFES because you were just so stealth at encouraging people and so stealth at getting alongside of people and training them without them even knowing so is, do you remember that <laughs> no I I've no. remembered it <laughs> um so yeah is that how you sort of saw your ministry when you were raising kids and helping Keith in AFES
2: work yeah I guess so because they were the kids were young at that time um life was pretty full just with home life but there's still always an opportunity to have people over and, yeah, we used to love doing that. Just having students in the house and over for dinner or whatever. The January pre-uni day nights in the backyard and, yeah, always lots of fun. I guess I got involved with a lot of children's ministry in the schools when the kids were in the schools. I remember meeting with some uh, MTS workers uh, in training with a pram. Yeah, the years when they're all tiny, it's pretty full on. That's yeah. where, yeah, that's where you need to be, so. Yeah. I wasn't too much around then.
1: And you've often done kids' ministry mm. um, and school-age kids' ministry, so church but also in schools. Yes. And then you ended up, I'm not quite sure of the timeline, but you worked as a um, school chaplain for a while. That's right,
2: land. In at Ironside, yeah. Yeah. So when was that? Mm. How, so that was, uh, oh, gosh, I'm really bad with dates. I don't know
1: about the dates, but sort of was it...
2: Yeah, so it was before we went to, before we um, applied to CMS to go to Papua New Guinea. Yep. Yeah, for a few years. yeah, mm. Maybe about four years. Mm. And what was that like? That was a, a wonderful experience of being Christian in a very secular environment. Yeah, there were people that didn't really want me there as a Christian, but it was great to see God working and it was a good, good preparation for The next step in life, I guess. (laughs) Mm.
1: And so what kind of opportunities did you have when you were in the school?
2: So there were one-to-one times with kids I knew were Christian and if parents were Christian, they would come to me and talk with me about their kids. But then also um, had permission to run a super club and I involved with... um, other things, just sort of good work type things and yeah, trying to get to know people relationally. And with a title like school chaplain,
1: any good work you did was being done in the name of Christ. As mm. in, you knew that, but other people knew that as well, didn't they? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah.
2: No, it was a, a really growing time. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting to see how God can just continually grow us in right through our life. And so you
1: mentioned CMS and that's what I'm really keen to hear about because I know that's what you're doing a lot of at the moment. So do you want to tell me a bit about your decision to go to Papua New Guinea?
2: Mm. I think I was quite happy continuing to do chaplaincy work and but Keith was at a point where he was feeling like a change and of ministry opportunities. Our kids were basically all grown up. And they didn't need you anymore. Oh, well, (laughs) not quite, but (laughs) not not so hands on. (laughs) And we just heard about a big need that was right on our doorstep. And I think that was the thing that, um, you know, Keith was part of the AFES that had a hundred plus full time trained workers and our neighbouring country had one. What did the training involve? That mm. you had to do? We think CMS is fantastic that we have five months down at um, St Andrews Hall training. You've actually started your leaving because you have left your, your home to live together in community and then a lot of cross-cultural things you're learning and yeah so it's, it's a really terrific time to start thinking about the country where you're going and do some research on that, it's time for that, as well as um, get to know CMS and how they work, as well as just, yeah, preparing to to leave. Mm. Mm. Because all missionary
1: organisations are quite different, aren't they? They are. And so CMS is distinctive... Well, there's quite a few, aren't there? But one of them is that training that yes. you do all together, yeah. the compulsory. <laughs> mm. um, and another one seems to be the uh, funding that if people want to support you financially, they support CMS. Yes. You don't really know who is actually supporting you, is that right? No, we do. I mean, people could tell you. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, we do know. Yep. But, um, yeah, it is done more on a... It's not so individual. What are, the, <clears throat> are there
1: any other distinctives that jump to mind about service?
2: I guess um, the training we found was really critical in that we were prepared for not just a two-month or a two-year mission. Because we've met a number of uh, missionaries who really don't have much idea about what they're coming to or how to handle things. And our training has really helped us to stay in there a bit longer.
1: What is PNG like? I know that it's a country north of Australia, <laughs> but it's really close, isn't it? It's closer than we think. Yeah, very close. Because our little maps of Australia don't...
0: They cut <laughs> off at the top. But when you
1: see a map including
2: PNG, it's so close. Yeah, beautiful rainforests, beautiful mountains that are cool in the middle, Um, some beautiful beaches all around the edge and some beautiful people. Yeah, So a lot of lovely things but there are a lot of needs as well. So yeah there isn't running water and electricity everywhere and so there's common diseases in a lot of places and health issues. And we see the spiritual needs as well that are there. What does your work involve there? We're at the University of Papua New Guinea in Port Moresby, and with the TSCF, the Australian AFES in Papua New Guinea, it's Tertiary Students Christian Fellowship. Basically, we're discipling young men and women helping them to understand the Bible for themselves, to read the Bible. Yeah, a bit more scripture in their diet. What are their home churches like? Mm. Good question. They come from all different churches, some quite conservative, so some Lutheran and Baptist churches, others more apostolic and Pentecostal, a lot of Catholics and also Seventh-day Adventists. Great variety. And the country is sort of divided up into the different churches. So when you come to Port Moresby, it's a little bit different in that uh, the the home church that they've grown up in, they will try and find one the same, but um, they may go to another one that's easy to get to.
1: And you were mentioning on Sunday that, so if someone comes from a village, that village will often only have one church. Yeah. So it's one denomination and that denomination established their church and the school and everything that's right, and the other denominations ago. had to go somewhere else. Yes, that's <laughs> right. The
2: country was divided up into churches. And
1: so are the students a bit surprised to meet people with different beliefs or do they know that that's sort of going to happen? Well,
2: there's a bit of um, both sides. Some of them will say, well, everyone's the same and we're okay and and others will not want to mix with other people <laughs> and mm. this is the only way.
1: Mm. And
2: you also mentioned on Sunday that
1: ninety-seven
2: percent of the country is nominally Christian. That's right. They say that that's what the census, has, the last census, said. But in reality, so someone might say they're a Christian, but not really understand what that means. Not know that that example um, from one John. That not know that they have eternal life. Not know what it means to follow Christ. So when they get to uni,
1: do a lot of students automatically search out the Christian group, or
2: are keen to join, or yeah, what's it? What's mm. it like? Some students won't come near TSCF because it is um, interdenominational, and if they are a certain group, well, that group they will find others, and there will be a group for them right. that's just their church. Mm-hmm and so they don't see the need to mix with others. But there are others, yeah, I guess God prepares those he wants to, to walk in his ways, and there are others who will be searching out for more. And we encourage the students to, to invite their friends to come along mm. to Bible study and to Saturday Night Fellowship, any opportunity to read the Word of God. What kind of opportunities
1: through the week, would you have to do that Mm. with students?
2: So it's changed a bit over the five years we've been there. Um, At first we were running all the Bible studies because it was totally new thing. They hadn't had any Bible studies. What kind of things did they do as the Christian group before you got there? So they had um, a big meeting on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. They had a prayer meeting another night. That was basically it. Oh, music practice, another night. Then we realised that there were a lot of day students, and day students weren't being catered for at all. So we were running Bible studies during the day, but as well as, yeah, sort of at different times, so that um, dorm students, boarding students, plus day students could mix. We'd advertise around the place, and we got lots of people would come along just to check us out. That happened for a little while, and those who... Were filled with the spirit, they they hung in there and stayed, yeah. yeah. And they were excited to, to see that they could read the Bible for themselves. It was just um, just amazing to see see the looks on faces of Wow, you know, this is really in the Bible. And you know, we'd read uh, one Corinthians about equality with men and women in terms of a marriage and in, in, within a marriage and. And they were sort of, is this, is this really here? Is this really here? You know, that's not in the Bible, you know. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, yeah, so
2: they, I guess their churches have just done, read certain books and passages and that's it. Not really going through the Bible. And what's it like for those students then when they go back
1: to their home churches?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. We can encourage them to keep reading their Bible, to, to pass it on to others. Sometimes we can encourage them to speak to their leaders, but more just to others in the church, yeah.
1: And it's quite a relatively recent thing that Papua New Guinean
2: children are educated to Year 12. Is education compulsory? There was an opening up of them having to go to school. It still does cost them something. Right. (laughs) It's not totally free. And not all children go. But it's really opened up to um, to year seven compulsorily. And then high school, it's, it's most common to year nine or 10. And some go on to 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the villages, there, there isn't a high school. So they'll have to walk a long way or they board somewhere else to go to high school. And then if things happen in their family, then you might have to drop out and go back home mm. so that's not not uncommon for both boys and girls and but
1: from uni as well as school yeah, yeah from
2: uni as well so sometimes we'll we'll see a student and suddenly they won't be there the next year and then we might see them a few years later they've come back the things of life are a lot tougher and harder and yeah you can't just on going necessarily in all that kind of
1: context what what do you find really hard and what do you really delight in?
2: I love just reading the Bible with the girls every week so I have still have a few groups what has changed now is that some of the the girls that are um, in upper years are leading groups as we left in November there'd been 12 girls groups that are being led. So that was really exciting. But the other area that I was thinking about even at St Andrews Hall when we were training was um, domestic abuse and trauma for, for women which happens all over the country and but it takes time for people to trust you to then talk about such things. So that started to happen a little bit more and I've been spending some time with some girls who have had some really tough things in their lives. So that is something that is a very difficult thing to manage, I think. In a country where your networks are all bound up with your family, your support, and very tough to try and work out solutions. but to just be able to listen and to be able to point them to a loving merciful God and in a sense empower them to be filled with the Spirit and loved by God and to know His love and strengthened by His Word yeah is where that's the empowerment that love them to see because there's other sort of things NGO groups have come into the country with equality of women and um, things to try and help this. And I don't really see that necessarily as the answer. It's not the biblical way to go. That, so there's, there's violence and trauma and there's uh, an equality, you know, all, all men and women should be equal um, f- from the NGOs. But there's a biblical viewpoint that we want to have about how we relate as men and women, and that I hope they can be empowered by that being women of the word. and I don't know, Keith's doing a lot of work yeah. encouraging the
1: guys to be right. servant leaders and mm-hmm. godly in the way that they hopefully will love their future wives. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. That sounds very hard. Yeah, and
2: some very sad, very sad things.
1: Mm, is family violence more prevalent in the culture of
2: PNG, as in more almost acceptable? In some areas it is. Because there are many different people groups, You know, over 800 languages, and with that goes different cultures, there are different groups. So some of them are not like that, but there are others that are. And also some of the maybe stability of some of the uh, cultural groups, the patterns that they had before uh, westernisation have broken down and it's it's trying to form new ways and new thinking about how do we do life. So it's all pretty complicated and difficult. But I think we find and in terms of life in Papua New Guinea,
1: what's fun and what's really hard just on a practical level? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tell us what it's like.
2: <laughs> we do have to be careful with um, moving around. I'll drive the car at night here in Australia and not think twice. But um, I won't do that in PNG. Yeah, we always have to have our cars locked and yeah, be, be careful with some security things. But um, yeah, there's many things. We've had some lovely time with with students um, on their missions in the central province. Yeah, down by the water at Avontour, we've yeah had some lovely times with them, getting to know their culture more and and meeting the people in their lives. And... Yeah,
1: because you would only ever see them divorced from something that is so special to them and yeah. so significant. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, mm. seeing them with their families would be really good. Mm. What's it like then? I mean, this is the third or fourth time you've come back after being there for a while. Like, yeah.
2: we're a bit strange as you are a bit strange, Marion, because we're but so we do like you. <laughs> we're so close. Yes, that, and um, Keith needs to pick up meds. We do come back um, every year for a short time, but then in terms of um, CMS and home assignment, visiting our supporting churches, we come back every three years. Mm-hmm.
1: What's it like when you come back, do you get a bit of that kind of culture, I don't want to say shock, but you know, being affronted by the Aussie culture? Yeah. What what can we learn from Papua New Guinea? (laughs) Like, what do you notice, especially about Christian culture, that really strikes you as a sort of a semi-outsider?
2: Sometimes we feel that there's a lot more, there's a lot of head knowledge happening here in Brisbane at our churches, and not so much of the affective. And our Papuan friends are very strong on the affective and not so much on the things, of knowing things which translate to our heart. We do miss some of the affective things. They do pour their hearts out to the Lord. Sometimes when you have very little or nothing, then there's only one place to turn, and that is to the Lord. Mind in pigeon is ting-ting. So sometimes back in Brisbane, it's all (laughs) ting-ting. It's all mind. And and some of the songs, um, I think there are some wonderful songs out at the moment, but that's sometimes where we see it, in the way that people sing or feel, feel the things we're singing that... um, Sometimes some of the songs in PNG, we'd we'd like it to be more, more ting ting, more ting <laughs> ting. What's, what's the affective heart word? Well, the heart is bell, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just uh, having more of the affections. And by affections, I mean it's a bit of a um, an older word. Is it more than emotions? I think I think it's translating the truths into our heart in the sense of really feeling that um, God's mercy and grace and forgiveness and all those things that sometimes we just take might take for granted or not really feel them, we, just, we think them, but yeah. Have we just sometimes
1: become a bit too familiar, do you think? Maybe. Like, sure, yep, we know yeah, that. Yeah. Yep, we know God's merciful.
2: And you know... We have a lot of things provided for us in the West. We have Medicare and there's a superannuation probably for most people and um, there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening there that we don't even, we just presume and assume. And <laughs> mm. <laughs> Whereas if you don't have that and you're you are trying to work out where I'm going to get my school fees from and how I'm going to do all that, well then you... You cry out to the Lord and, yeah, how much do we really cry out to the Lord to to help us through things? That's been a lovely thing for us to learn in terms of, yeah, living there mm. and something we've learnt from them that's been beautiful. How do you think Aussies can learn that a bit more? <laughs> I think sometimes maybe maybe being more on the cutting edge of when of reaching out to people Um, maybe maybe Mm -hmm. when you can't see any other way out in certain things maybe you know how do i reach those people in that block of units or how do i reach those people that are sitting at the park or how do i do that well you pray and you pray and you pray please lord you know and so Sometimes in PNG, we find it hard to, um, to connect with people. Their phone will be dead. Um, they're not answering a message. Uh, so we might just physically go around to where they live, or we'll go out to campus and we'll say, please, Lord, help us to connect with so-and-so. And the Lord provides, and there they are because we've been trying to and we really want to connect with them for the Lord and we just haven't been able to on the phone. That's great. When there's no other way, and that's, that's its not really how it should be when there's no other way. You know, we, in the West, I think we look for other ways first and then, okay, we've run out of ideas. Please, Lord, help me. <laughs> Instead of, please, Lord, help me and show me the way. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, we experience the um, the joy and the growth that comes from those desperate times when we can see no other way and so fall at God's feet. And yeah, it's that desperation of asking him for help and, and seeing him answer our prayers that is so encouraging, isn't yeah. it? But yeah. we're not in that situation very often. Yeah. And do you want to tell me um, tell me a story of someone that, I mean, you can change the name or use the name, I don't mind, but tell me a story of someone who, you know, is a good example of ministry and PNG for you. Mm.
2: Oh, I feel like there's, there's lots of girls who've really grown. So the few, few graduate girls now who were in Bible study for a number of years, really I guess for four years, a lot of them. They came over for the AFES national training event last year and um, had a wonderful time. And uh, so we've, we've done you know quite a lot of time in the Bible, but still going to Strand 1 was a, a big experience at, that one passage every day during the week, you know, for hours and hours and hours and hours. and, hours. and Yeah, so that was exciting. And it not being boring, because yeah, you keep learning more and more things. Right. <laughs> Lots that's of right. tint in for them. <laughs> so there's one girl on campus now. Since first year, she joined a group. We have some ESV study Bibles that um, are just helping them to see that cross-references and also there can be a few notes that really help you. So she got one of those in, I'll call her M, she got one of those in first year and I uh, was coming along and listening sometimes just be the two of us and you know Mark's Gospel we were doing and I said you know you might like to just one sitting sort of read it through, she said oh, I've done that oh it's great and then she was leading a group in her dormitory room and it's just a huge step for them to take to invite people from other provinces, you know, they might be warring tribes. You're inviting people into your room and you're not a pastor and that's who they're used to. It's a pastor that teaches them, but you're just like a student a few years ahead facilitating a Bible study. That's scary. It is just a really, really big step for them. So she had about four or five girls and then someone else invited someone else and she was, sort of quite excited, she said, oh, it went well. And uh, girls from different denominations. And then we were reading through to the Psalms. A- another new step with the Psalms, taking it through to the New Testament. What does this also tell me about Jesus? And uh, then one girl one night, when they were doing a psalm that was on, that was about David's repentance. And she just started crying. And Emma was just surprised. She said, "I was just reading this through, and I can see that I haven't, I haven't repented." The big thing was they weren't at a rally where you were coming forward. That is the normal way that that you might start your Christian life. You didn't go forward to the pastor. They were just in the dorm room, reading the Bible, reading Psalms. <laughs> And she realized her need for Christ to repent. And Emma was just sort of blown out of her mind about this. And she said, it was just so exciting. She said, oh, Auntie, I always want to do Bible studies. Oh. And so that just that the word of God by the Spirit speaks. It doesn't matter where you're reading from. It's just wonderful.
1: That's lovely to hear the stories because I think that's where we start to kind of get a little bit of an insight into actually what it's like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us another one Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Just one more.
2: (laughs) So there's a girl over at the medical faculty. A lot of them are really encouraged by their families to do medicine. That's like sort of the thing that's held up, you know, try and get into med. So a lot of them come to the main campus to do science foundation. And then a few handfuls are chosen to go to medical faculty. Lots of disappointments for those who don't get there. And sometimes they don't get into medicine, but they get into one of the other, you know, pharmacy or dentistry or something else, lab science. And so just lots of learning curves of, you know, how the Lord does work. She has just really grown in her understanding. She's now a graduate. She's grown in her understanding of reading the Bible and looking at the context and just um, really thankful for her years that she grew up in a Christian home but hadn't really understood deeply about some things and so just really excited how she's just grown in the Lord and she came actually back on campus to help run a Bible study on a Saturday morning because she was working during the week and so that was yeah, that was wonderful Mm. So
1: do the students have an opportunity to sort of
2: stay in contact with you when they do Yes, yes we've tried to start a WhatsApp group with our people that have but I think um,
1: What told you that WhatsApp group would be the way to (laughs) go? That's right, Right. a good
2: way to do it but um, our grads aren't so good at uh, just expressing things so we're Still finding our way there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Marion, do you have a Bible verse that is special to you that you could
1: share with us?
2: Oh, I find that a hard one. So I know there have been different verses over the years and I almost feel like now, because we sort of spend time in... So last year, first semester was Psalms and second semester was 1 John. And when we're in those books, we yeah things come out and there are verses that are very special my confirmation verse going back that far was Colossians 2 6 you know walking in the things that you've been taught rooted and grounded in the faith I love that image of just walking in those ways that I've known for a long time and yet from the words of the song our sins they are many but his mercy is more And the other one from Lamentations, often they're linked to songs, good songs. You know, great is your faithfulness, mercy's new every morning.
1: Now, you've been
2: a Christian for a long time.
1: As far as you can remember, it must seem like your whole life. And you don't seem to be someone who wavers much in their faith. You're pretty steady.
2: Yeah, I go up and down. I have my, you ask my husband. I have my my sins. (laughs) Yeah, I guess... I am very thankful for my family of origin and uh, and I was thinking about the song that good old Colin had with our little kids when they were growing up, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. I still think about that, you know, that when the things of life are hard around us, where's that a turn, remember the Lord? He keeps me, he keeps me. You kind of think, gosh, I grew up with family prayers We had six Good News Bibles sitting on the the bookshelf that we used to pull out, you know. So we used to just read through the New Testament. And you'd all have your own Bible. Yeah. That's really cute, all the same version. Yeah. That's great. So we didn't really do any Old Testament in family prayers. So those words must have just been going over and over. Now, I'm not very good, actually, at remembering verses. But it just becomes sort of part of you, I guess. get pretty sad when I yeah see people sort of their eyes sort of going towards new apostolic things or whatever that happen in the churches there and that's happening in some of the churches here um yeah it's an old old story it's like we can get sick of it but keep coming back to it
1: yep (laughs) well marion thank you so much for your time for sharing some stories i appreciate a lot
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary.